For Cybercrime Radio, I'm Heather Engel. Today I'm talking with Susanna Thayer, a 64-year-old grandmother from Ontario, Canada. Through online dating platforms, Susanna has been the victim of two different romance scams. The first cost her more than $200,000, and the second landed her in prison in Hong Kong. She's here today to talk with us about her experiences. Welcome, Susanna. Good morning, Heather. How are you? Great, and thank you for being on the podcast. First, can you give us a brief overview of what happened the first time that you were the victim of a romance scam? Basically, I was on my Facebook. I didn't even realize that this was even possible, quite honestly. However, the gentleman that came online wanted me to be his friend. And after quite a few months, he ended up really getting into my heart. And I started believing him without a doubt. And basically, he took me away from all media, family. I was basically secluded from everyone. And I didn't even realize this was happening to me. And as time went on, I was giving him money all the way because I truly believed in him and I believed what he was telling me. And I see that's a big issue that's happening to so many people nowadays. In that first instance, were you seeing this person? Were you actually physically spending time together or was this an all online relationship? It was all online. At one point, he did do a video chat. However, on the video chat, all I saw was the person, never a word. Interesting. Can you tell us then what happened? How did that come to a conclusion? How did you finally get out of that situation? Well, at one point, I got really upset with my family. I was upset with him because I'm going, something's not right here. I ended up taking off, wanting to go away for a couple of days, so I went to a hotel my family ended up calling up every police department across Canada because when I left that night or that day, they all started searching for me. And it was about, I guess, 1130 at night, my phone rang and the OPP got a hold of me saying that my family was concerned about me, wanted to know where I was, but I was trying to differentiate things in my own mind, basically. And they came and saw me at the hotel I was in in Toronto and saw that everything was okay. However, they did come to the house a couple of days later when I did get home, and I told them the truth. I said, this guy took me for this amount of money. I believed I was married to him, which I found out was fraud, fake. So a lot of different things transpired. I mean, there's so much involved in it. And then the second time, what happened there? This one is a little more complicated and a lot more planned, it sounds like, on the part of the scammer. Give us an overview of what happened the second time. Well, the second time, I did tell him about what happened to me. I believed in being honest with anyone and telling them the truth. And he seemed to be very compassionate and said, you know what, like he knew I was writing a book called I've Been Con, Book for Dummies. And he's trying to encourage me to complete the book because he says, you're going to make a difference in this world. You know, so he was showing me everything the first con wouldn't have done. And it was kind of the complete opposite, like a 360. He showed compassion. He even helped me with some of my thoughts for the book. There was a lot of different things that he tried to help me with. And at one point, when I finished my book, he said he wanted to come see me. And when he went to come see me, apparently he got COVID, so he couldn't come and said, well, I'm going to have to reschedule. The second time, because he knew of con one, and I never put two and two together at any point in this thing, 
because I kind of believe the guy too. I do believe that most of us want to believe people are honest, for starters. And when they're not, is very devastating in the process. However, with him, he ended up saying that he was shot at on the way to the airport, that the taxi driver that was in the car got shot. He thought he was killed. And his sergeant said that he wasn't allowed to leave, that if I wanted him to come, I would have to pay. Basically, without saying those words, but I knew that's where it was going. And I thought, nope, I'm not paying for you to come to me. And eventually what happened was, is he ended up saying, I have a surprise for you. I've been working on a surprise. You deserve it because you're such a good person and everything else. I'm going to give you a trip to Africa. And I ended up going to Africa. And then we know what happened from there. Tell us a little bit more about what happened from there. You wound up in Ethiopia. And then what happened? Well, I was there for just approximately three weeks, maybe give or take a day or two. And when I was there, though, I found out that my e-visa was going to expire. And I ended up saying, don't worry, I'll get James to fix it. He ended up getting me the e-visa originally, so I didn't think there would be any issues. And instead of getting me a ticket home or fixing the visa, he ended up saying, oh, you're going to Hong Kong. Instead, that's where you're going to meet me because I never met him there. I did go around when I was in Africa I saw the good of Africa and the devastations in Africa when I was there. I thought it was a beautiful trip altogether, quite honestly, even though I was alone. And the night that I was leaving, he had a guy named Eric come and drop off a suitcase for me because he said my suitcase wasn't good enough and he took my other suitcase, but he ended up taking everything from my suitcase and sticking it in the new one. All I saw was some color in the suitcase, and I said, you've got something in the suitcase. He says, oh, that's just a gift for you. It's a couple of dresses and a blanket. I didn't think much of it at the time, and I ended up grabbing the suitcase because I only had like half an hour in the room prior to leaving. I couldn't do nothing. All my stuff was on top. Anyways, I didn't even look at nothing. And the first I ever saw of it was when I got to Hong Kong, quite honestly, and that's when I was arrested. And what were you arrested for? I was arrested for drug trafficking. And how did that come to pass? Well, I was completely numb. I could not believe what was going on. Apparently, they pulled out all my stuff. They didn't even really look at the stuff that was on top, which was all mine. None of it had buttons. I don't like buttons to start with, so that's besides the point. However, they got to these dresses, and they pulled one of the dresses out, and she started doing some kind of test on it. They told me to sit in a chair while they did it. So I did. And the next thing I know, they said, well, we might have to destroy one of the buttons. I says, I don't care. I don't like buttons anyway. So they ended up doing a test on the buttons. And that's when I was sitting on the chair. I was just fiddling with my nails, I believe. The next thing I know, they told me to stand up. And before I knew it, I had handcuffs behind me. And I was taken. I wasn't even arrested at that point. They just said, we're charging you with drug trafficking. I was devastated. And so it turns out that what happened is the buttons on these dresses that had been given to you in the suitcase were filled with cocaine. Is that right? Yes. I found out that there was cocaine in the buttons, I believe, in December. I was arrested in September, I believe. And on December 12th, I found out that there was cocaine in the buttons. 
And quite honestly, I didn't even know how many buttons were until the day I was released. So you were in prison for a while, really not understanding what you were in for. You didn't really understand why you were there. No, I didn't. I didn't. I just kept disbelieving it. I'm going, there's got to be a mistake. There's got to be a mistake. And they did the tests, everything else, and it came back that there was cocaine. And I had no clue. As a matter of fact, I did try to get bail in November. And when I was at court, I even looked at the judge because I had to do this all alone because I had no lawyer, no nothing. And I looked at the judge and I says, I don't even know how many buttons there were. And he asked them, how many buttons are there? And they said, we don't have that information at the moment. That's all they said. And it wasn't until the day I was released that I found out. And so ultimately, nine months later, the charges were dropped and you were released. You were able to return to Canada. Some people listening might be wondering how this could happen to you a second time. What gave you the confidence to get back online to try to meet someone after this happened the first time? Well, put it this way. I believe that anyone who has been conned once can easily be conned again. Because the first con gave me such a high, I felt beautiful, I felt loved. And anyone who has that feeling, even though they've been conned, can be conned again. And I've talked to people who have been conned more than once since my airing of the show. I've had people contact me via Facebook, via just walking on the street because they know me. And they're afraid to tell anyone what's happened to them because they don't want to have egg on their face like I have. And I believe that anyone who has had this happen to them, it will happen again because they're going to be in denial, but they also want the high. Like everyone, one of the things God created us for was to love one another and to have someone to love. So yeah, you get the confidence, not just the confidence, but the will to want to be loved. And that, to me, is a very hard fact for anyone to accept, especially if they've been conned. But you have to have the courage to step forward, take a look at what happened to you. If you fall down, learn from your mistake, move forward, go ahead. You have to look at all the different angles of what's going to happen to you. Me, personally, I felt alone. And I did not even know I was alone until the first con. I was kind of happy in my own little shell. I was like hiding myself in my room or spending time with my two grandkids. That was it. That was my life. And when you have someone who's showing you attention, wanting to give you whatever in words or whatever, and they make it sound so magical, so beautiful, you're going to fall for that trap. And it's not just women this happens to. I've talked to men that it's happened to, and yet none of them will stand forward. And this is the major problem. Because people, when this happens to them, they're afraid to tell anyone because they don't want anyone to know. They're too embarrassed. I was really embarrassed. And you feel that. But what are you going to do as a person? You have to look forward to something. And I knew I had a void in me. And all these people that have been conned have that same void. So they know where I'm coming from. So you've been the subject of two documentaries following your release from prison. Now you're talking with me. What makes you want to tell your story? You know, it sounds like you want to take away some of the shame and embarrassment of having this happen and let other people know that it's happened to you. It can happen to them. 
What is the message that you hope to get across to people either who are online looking for love or who have been scammed by something like this? First of all, the ones that have been scammed, I want them to stand forward. Accept what they've done. Take the fall. Take the hit. Tell someone because they're going to be living with that for the rest of their lives. That's one of the things that really irk me. I've had people contacting me because they knew they can trust me to understand what they've gone through. But they're afraid. I had this one girl, she bought my book and she took it home and she was reading it. Her son saw her reading the book. He said, what are you reading that crap for? And she said, well, I just wanted to see what this girl said because I know the girl. And she came to me and she said, I didn't want to tell him that I've already been conned. And that's part of the issue. That's part of the problem. That's part of the process because there's too many people out there that are being conned that aren't coming forward calling the cops, doing this, because the more people that they get on this type of a scenario, because it's millions and millions, billions of dollars, quite honestly, if you want to be honest with me, billions of dollars people are losing every day because of this. And it's not someone who's just online. It could be someone you know, that you've met, that you've seen. I mean, there's many different ways to look at it. And the fact is, they're too embarrassed to step forward. One of the things is, is I want them to step forward. I want them to accept what they did. Take the fall. Take the hit. I mean, I know I'm labeled for the rest of my life here, but they need to stand forward for themselves, not just because of what happened to them, so that they can move forward and continue life and be happy that they can look in the mirror and say, I'm still a good person. I may have made a mistake. I may have believed someone who I shouldn't have. But stand up for yourself. Be proud. Stand tall. And for those that are in the midst of being conned, watch it. Watch closely. Because at first you're going to be in such a denial that no matter what anyone says, anyone says, you're going to be conned. Because A, you're never going to meet the person. B, whatever they say to you is a lie because it's a one-sided love affair. You're not going to get anything out of it. They're going to get it out, out of you. And until you get to that point where they've either depleted everything you own, have, got, and put you in debt, whatever the case may be, they're going to keep on going. The best way to do it, meet the person. Make sure you can see them eye to eye. And until that happens, don't do anything. And especially if they've got money or they're saying, oh, I've got all this money, but I can't reach it right now. I mean, wake up. I had to wake up. I believed the guy. But in fact, if he had so much money, why didn't he need my money? What was the purpose? Unless he was darn broke and needed every cent he could to keep his lifestyle. And that's all they want. They're narcissists. They're greedy and they don't care about anyone else but themselves. You are just a plaything for them. You're a game. You're a number on a computer that they have hundreds of women. And once you get conned once, you get put on a list. And to that point where, okay, you're going to be conned again, dear. And that's what happens. That's the reality. So it sounds like you had some advice in there for someone who's going to use social media or an online dating platform, which is to try to meet the person in person before you get too far into the relationship. Is there any other advice that you would give to someone using one of these online dating platforms? 
A, never give money to any strangers because they're lying to you. They can say, oh, well, I can't access my account. You get a lot of people off of oil rigs, military. Those two seem to be the two major ones because they're in a remote area. So they make you feel sorry for them. Part of me, I wanted to save the first con. I wanted to save him because he made it sound so real. Like, I mean, he was destitute. Someplace he didn't want to be anymore because he lost his wife, blah, blah, blah. They give you all these different things, has kids, you name it. And they will use you. No matter what they tell you, it's a lie. It's a facade. It's not true. And to me, you have to think about what they're saying. Why are they taking you off the media? Why are they trying to segregate you from your family, your friends, everyone you know? Why do they have to keep it a secret? Well, we want to make it a surprise, right? No, the surprise is on you because you will lose everything you have. Right now, I can guarantee there's hundreds of thousands of people being conned this very second. And that's the sad story. And that's something I want to try and bring awareness to. I want to be a voice. When I was in prison, I had no voice at all. I had no life. I had everything taken away from me. And people do not realize when you're in a situation like I was, you don't realize what freedom really is. You don't just have the freedom to breathe. You have the freedom to go anywhere, do anything, say anything, do whatever you want. And most of all, you'll have a voice, a voice you can stand for others. And that's what I want to do. I want to help other people avoid what happened to me. And maybe in some of my words, somebody might go, hey, she's right. I should take a closer look at this. Why am I doing this? Why am I listening to this person? Ask the right questions. But you know what? They play by a playbook. And that's what makes it the hardest. And they also use AI, where they can make up beautiful phrases, beautiful sayings, and just get right to your heart. Don't listen with your heart. Listen with your head. And listen with your gut, most of all. Because if your gut says, okay, something doesn't seem right, most likely it isn't right. And that's what people have to look at. Well, Susanna, I've really appreciated your time today with telling us your story. Can you tell us a little bit now, are you still on those online dating platforms? What's your situation at the moment? I was on the platform dating system, and I did meet some guys. Some guys even said that they were in the States or on a rig, and I'm going, okay, yeah, no. You know, like, don't ask me. I'm not for long-distance dating anymore. Okay, I've kind of put that to the past. However, I did meet a gentleman and a very kind, loving man. And for the past month and a half, I've even been living with him. He's real, he's alive, and he's a beautiful soul. He even made me a gorgeous latte while I sat down here doing this interview with you. And I think I'm falling for him, quite honestly. <laughs> well, that's great. I'm happy to hear that your story has had a happy ending. Susanna, thanks again for talking with us today. You're very welcome, Heather. And I thank you for taking your time for me. For Cybercrime Radio, I'm Heather Engel. For more of our media, visit our website at cybersecurityventures.com.